Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Okay, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I could not, I could not move on to anything else. We have to continue with part two. We have to. There's just no way it could end that way. There's just no way. If it ends that way, I, 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 I won't be able to do anything else today or this evening or tonight. I won't even be able to sleep. We have to bring this to a conclusion. All right. Welcome, everyone. It is Tuesday, January the 11th, 2022. It is currently 514 p.m. Central Time. I'm here in the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church in the middle of Ovalo, Texas, where there is a portal here. And I'm joking. I'm joking. If, If you missed part one, I don't even know what to tell you. And the Discord channel, we've been having a little bit of fun about portals because of what happened in part one. Let me tell you, we are reviewing an episode from Skywatch TV. Now, this episode is supposed to be about, well, Lucifer is not Satan. However, there's only nine minutes left now. What I did is I, when when we ended the last episode, when we ended, when we ended for our last episode, they were it, they were going to a break, a commercial break. And it basically was a commercial that lasted about two or three minutes. And it was like books about UFOs and, and, and government cover-ups and fighting the elite and conspiracies and being a patriot. It was just, it was like crazy stuff for about th- three minutes. Um, and then finally, there's about nine minutes left. And now they're ready to finish up their discussion. So that means in nine minutes, I, I hope they're going to talk about Lucifer is not Satan, but I, I'm, I'm really questioning what is going on. Here's what we discovered. We discovered that Babylon, according to what we heard in part one, again, this comes from Skywatch TV. Go, go subscribe. If you have the Edify Christian podcast app, it's easy to subscribe to it right there. Um, and this is just crazy. So here's what we've kind of discovered. I'm going to try to summarize. Babylon can be a name that refers to all kinds of cities. It can refer to everything. And basically Babylon comes from Babel or Babel, I think is how they they stated it, which basically I think they've said refers to like the gates of the gods and that all of these cities had gods, had their own deity, and they had these gates and that you would go through the gate. They would take the God out of the gate and and kind of a, you know, kind of like a, a, a marching out of the gate, out of the city with their God. And then they would bring the God back into the city. And so the gates served as, as they used the word portal. It was like a portal, right? And you're like, okay, where are they going with this? All right. So Babylon can refer to basically almost like Babylon is the gates of the gods and any gate is basically a portal of the gods is kind of where they, they were going with this. We also found out that we should not trust the Masoretic text. We should only trust the Old Testament that's that's found in the Septuagint, all right? And then we found this, all right? Isaiah 13, I'm gonna read this. The burden of Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos did see. Now again, Babylon, they've already kind of opened the possibility. Well, that could refer to a lot of things. It, it, it may have a historical fulfillment, but it can also refer to something beyond that. So they are willing to acknowledge it had a literal historical fulfillment, but then they opened the door or the portal. <laughs> you, you see what I did there? They opened the portal to all kinds of fanciful kind of interpretations, all right? Then they, they go to verse two, lift up a banner upon the high mountain, uh, exalt the voice unto them, Shake the hand that they may go into the gates of the nobles. I think that's where they believe the Septuagint says the gates of the giants. And I think that they believe the giants is referring to some kind of spiritual being. I think that that's where they go with how they handle it. And there's verse three. I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones for mine, for mine anger even them that rejoice in my highness. So they think that it's either Jesus opening the gate, the portal, or demons opening the gate or portal. And they believe that's somehow all going in in Isaiah 3, 13, verse 2 and 3. And they, I don't know, this has some kind of future fulfillment, I guess, when gates or portals are going to be opened. I don't know what in the world is going on. The whole reason we, we're listening to this 
in the first place is I just wanted to hear them talk about their view that Lucifer is not Satan. Who knew that it was going to turn into all this? Oh, we also discussed the, the concept of the day of the Lord and, and there's so much, so much, but you'd have to go back and listen to all of that. But there's just no way I could stop. There's just no way. There's no way. I, I wanted to move on to other stuff, but all I would be thinking about, I would be talking about whatever I was talking about, but my mind would be like, so Isaiah 13, what's really going on in Isaiah 13? So we're going to finish this. Nine minutes to go. All right. Are you ready? All right. I hope you're ready. If uh, those in the Discord channel, <laughs> I... I'm more than happy to hear your view. Uh, okay, uh, someone just posted in the chat here. Um, I'm, a, I, I'm assuming this is the translation from the Septuagint. This is a translation from the Septuagint, not the Masoretic text. Lift up a standard on the mountain of the plain. And they believe that mountain of the plain is, is like a reference to where there would be like a false worship or idolatry, All right? Uh, okay, yes. All right, so this is Brent, Brenton Septuagint. All right, uh, ex, this is verse two. Lift up the standard on the mountain of the plain, Isaiah 13, two. If, if, I, I'm sorry, I'm just assuming that everyone listening now have, have listened to part one. All right, so here we go. Um, oh, so verse three is the one where giants is, is used. All right, exalt the voice to them, beckon with the hand, open the gates, ye rulers. So the giants are not in verse two, I apologize. I give command and I bring them. Giants are coming to fulfill my wrath, rejoicing at the same time and insulting. And what we're hearing in, on Skywatch TV is somehow these giants, I guess, are somehow spiritual beings. Either Jesus is opening the portal and letting the giants come in, which are spiritual beings that are going to bring destruction, or Satan is opening the portal. Well, I'm assuming Satan is opening the portal and then bringing in demons to do something. Now, what does any of this have to do with Isaiah 13, 3 and Babylon? I don't know, but, but they would tell you, no, 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 no. It has a historical fulfillment, but then it can, but now we can just go any direction we want. We can go full blown crazy. And they went full blown crazy quickly, but let's see what they're going to do. There's nine minutes left. They got to get to Isaiah 14. I, I, this is just, their, their approach here is bizarre, but that's okay. Let's just jump in. We, we have to finish this, all right? We have to. All right, I, for my own sanity and peace of mind, we have to finish this. I went back and gave the first one, uh, a, a titled it part one. This is part two. Here we go. Welcome back to Unraveling Revelation from Skywatch TV. I'm Derek Gilbert. I'm Sharon Gilbert. If you've got your uh, mug of tea at home or your coffee or whatever, yeah. uh, have a have a swig and uh, maybe a Oh, I think some people are taking a swig. I just don't think it's tea. <laughs> okay, I just don't think it's coffee. Okay, I don't know what it is. And I don't think it's the people at home that are taking swigs. <laughs> okay, I'm joking. Don't get offended. Don't get, it's just, this has gotten so crazy that I'm willing to blame alcohol and not their hermeneutics. Okay, but so may, maybe I'm trying to be nice. I know it sounded like I'm being mean, but man alive. I, maybe I need a stiff drink after that. I don't even drink, but maybe I need here in, 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 in Abilene, Texas, I know it's Texas. We don't do things like other people places. You can go to a place called the Eskimo Hut. You just pull in and you can get your drink to go. Okay, they, you can you can go through the drive-through to get alcoholic beverages here in Texas. But we don't believe in drinking and driving. We're just going to give you your drink and a cup through a drive-through. Okay, yeah. All right, so we won't go through there, but I think they stopped by the Eskimo hut maybe four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, fifteen times, and uh, now we're hearing some. I don't know what is going on. All right, let's continue. A little bit of, of a cookie or something like mm, that. We mm -hmm. don't have any cookies in here. Um, the, as we discussed previously, and we talked about this this anti. Now I used to eat brownies back in my unsaved days, but. They weren't your typical brownies, okay? We, we won't get into, well, yeah, they had other things in them. But we won't go there. We won't go th back to my unsaved uh, drug days. We won't go back to that. All right, here we go. In Isaiah 14, and uh, Asher, the chief god of, of Assyria, and his connection to Enlil, the chief god of Mesopotamia, and yeah. El, the chief god of, of, um, of the Canaanites. I'm arguing in my forthcoming book, The Second Coming of Saturn, that... 
It's that entity in view in Isaiah 14. Now, traditionally, Isaiah 14, How art thou fallen, O Lucifer, son of the morning, is understood to be Satan. And based on Matthew 12, verses 22 through 26, and um, the letter to the Church of Pergamum Mm -hmm. in Revelation 2, I, I think Satan is equated with the storm god, Baal, Zeus, Jupiter. I think what we're looking at here is this older entity, or at least a preview, a, a different rebel. Let's put it that way. I El think one Dagan. of the big stumbling blocks is the word Lucifer. Right. It's not a proper name. No, it is not. It is based on the Hebrew, Helel ben Shakar, which means light bringer, son of dawn. Shakar was a, an entity that was known mm-hmm. by the Canaanites as dawn, but uh, light bringer, Helel. They, they've not really found a... Um, a good equivalent in Canaanite literature. But there is a scholar whose work was cited by our friend Dr. Doug Hamp in his uh, most recent book, Correcting the, Corrupting the Image 2. And I'm glad he put me onto this because it helped fill in some pieces of the puzzle for my forthcoming book that Helel is actually just a Canaanite or Ugaritic, rather, transliteration of the Akkadian name of Enlil. Yeah. Elil, Helel, it's a technical linguistic argument. You have to be an expert in those languages to understand. You do, the way they but, substitute one phoneme for another. Right. But it fits. Yeah. It fits. Helel ben Shachar is more likely Enlil, in other words, El of the Canaanites, or Kronos of the Greeks, Saturn of the Romans. And when you look at the context of Isaiah 14, shale beneath is stirred up to meet you when you come. It rouses the shades, the, the Rephaim. To greet you, all who were leaders of the earth, it raises from their thrones all who were kings of the nations. These were the Nephilim, the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Yeah. And they are now... Oh, man. Okay. I'm trying to follow this. I am really trying to follow this. Um, Just so that we know. Just so that we know. Let's do this. Let's do this. All right. Give me one second here. I got to... Got to close some things here. I got 900 things open on this iPad. And I, that you think I'm using hyperbole there, but I'm not. Okay, let's pull up the Blue Letter Bible app really quick. Man, they're just going in. And we got the Nephilim and, oh, the, ever, the Nephilim shows up. For, oh, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. I'll just at least give you a basic idea of where, where people are going. Okay, I'm going to go to, I, I'm opening up the Blue Letter Bible app. I'm going to go to Old Testament. I'm going to go to Isaiah chapter 14, all right, and then, let's see, where does Lucifer found, what verse is that, and I used to have it right here in front of me, uh, Isaiah 14, um, which verse, which verse, Isaiah 14, why can't I not find it, let's see here, oh, verse 12, Isaiah 14, verse 12, I should know that, Isaiah 14, 12, all right, here we go, I'm turn up the volume. Uh, oh, Lucifer, it is this Hebrew word. If I can get it to play. Here we go. Strong's H, 1966. Halel. 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 Halel means light bearer, shining one, morning star. Uh, Lucifer of the king of Babylon and Satan. Hillel describing the king of Babylon. Uh, Strong's definition, Hillel, uh, Hillel uh, means uh, in the sense of brightness, the morning star, or Lucifer. Right? They're saying that it's from this language and this language and this language and this language, and so it's not really referring to Lucifer. It's not referring to Lucifer, or it's not referring to Satan. Okay? So if it's not referring to Satan, my question would be, if it's not referring to Satan, then it would have to be referring to the king of Babylon. Right? Because I think if you look at the context, that's going to be your options. It's either the king of Babylon or it's Satan. They're saying it's another entity. It's another entity completely different. It's another rebel. It's not, it's not the king of Babylon. It's not Satan, but it's another spiritual. Is it another spiritual being? And now we've got the Nephilim. Now, if you, if you want to know where that all comes into play, all right, just remember there's, there's two dramatically different approaches to Genesis 6. All right, let me, let me just show you here, all right? We go to Genesis 6. Probably everyone listening to me, you know this. Genesis chapter 6. If you've been in, a church, if been in church for five seconds, you know this, all right? 
Um, all right. Uh, Genesis chapter six, and then we read this. Uh, and it came to pass when the men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born of them that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. Now, there is a view out there, very popular, especially within uh, within Christianity. At least I can't speak for other countries, but at least here in the United States of America, I think every church I ever attended taught this view. And I think almost every, I think maybe other than one Maybe one Bible college I attended did not teach this view. I think almost all the Bible colleges I attended teaches this view, at least. All right. And you probably know how this works. The sons of God are basically like fallen angels, right? And they they go in and have relations with the daughters of men. The reason Satan has them do this or the reason this occurs is to corrupt the human line. If you corrupt humanity where it's no longer truly human, it's now some kind of hybrid part fallen angel, part human, right? Part angelic, part human. Well, then that would destroy the line. And then Jesus could not come to save humanity because the human line would be so corrupted. So this was a part of Satan's attempt to stop the coming of Christ. That seems to be kind of the way most people approach this. Now, others will say, no, 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 no. If you go back to chapter five, you have this genealogy here. You have this genealogy and this genealogy is what we're having here is we have the godly line and the ungodly line. And what you have here is a, a the sons of men are, are, are the sons of God are the, of the godly line. The daughters of men are the uh, ungodly line. And this is basically believers and unbelievers marrying. That's all that's going on here in Genesis 6. It's not at fallen angelic beings and the daughters of men. No, no, no. It's the sons of God and the daughters of men are simply, sons of God is referring to, to believers and the daughters of men is simply referring to unbelievers. That That is the other approach to the text. Now, nobody likes that approach because it seems kind of like, well, that's not really that exciting. And that doesn't, does that really explain everything that happens? And some people say, well, that wouldn't explain the flood. Why have a global flood? Why have a global flood if it's just the godly line marrying the ungodly line. But if angels are corrupting the human race, then you got to wipe out all of those people so that now the human line can be redeemed through Christ, who will be who will take will become take on flesh in the incarnation. So I I definitely can understand the fallen angel concept here. And then when you get to the New Testament, you have angels that are kept in chains. They're like locked up. Well, what did they do? And most of the texts that mention them seems to somehow also be closely connected to, well, what happened in the flood. So, but the problem is everyone goes with that. And then the Nephilim, the Nephilim, they, then they just have them showing up everywhere, everywhere. And they use it for every kind of crazy conspiracy idea in the world. And I just think that if they were there, they were destroyed by the flood. And anytime that same concept seems to appear somewhere else, well, it can't be, it can't be them because they were all destroyed in the flood. And if they're still around, then did, 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 is the human line still corrupted so Jesus couldn't save it? You end up with all kinds of questions. Now, I'm assuming most of you are very familiar with all of this. If for some reason my assumption is wrong and you're like, I have no clue what you're talking about, never been taught any of this. Let me know, and then we can do some extra teaching on Genesis 6 and try to get you caught up and try to help you understand this because I definitely don't want you to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. The problem is most churches just kind of teach one view, and they don't really work through all the different views and all the pros and cons of it. Some churches will do that, but typically they already have their mind made up, and they only mention the other ones just to show you, hey, they don't work and don't really try to say, here's two options. Now let's work to see which one is right. The pastor comes to the pulpit with already the conclusion that he's going to give everyone, which that doesn't help anyone work through the issues. Come to the pulpit and say, hey, we're in Genesis 6. There's a lot of different views. Let's figure it out. And then don't work everyone through it to come to a conclusion, not just simply be there to give everyone your conclusion. I, 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 that drives me crazy. But, but, but there you have it. So let, let's 
There's the Nephilim. So he's brought in the Nephilim. He's just stating all of this in a very dogmatic way. But I'm curious, who is this other rebel? Who is this other? Did he, did he refer to them as Saturn? I think that's what he referred to them as. Who is this other rebel? Where did they come from? Are they a spiritual entity? And so it was a spiritual entity? Like, okay, let, let's see. Let's see what's going on here. Now, welcoming the one who led the rebellion, Genesis 6, verses 1 through 4, that led to their creation and saying, you too have become as weak as we. You have become like us. That's what Isaiah is saying here. Uh-huh. So I think that's who we're looking at here in Isaiah 14. And I so, know this is not going to be widely accepted. No, but let, let me ask you a question because it's, it's one that, that pops into my head. If Khalil bin Shikar mm-hmm. is Enlil, mm-hmm. Enlil is Shemiyaza. Right, the watcher chief who led the rebellion, yes. The Raphaim, the spirits of the giants, mm-hmm. are not presently in Tartarus. No. Or in Hades. Mm-mm. They are free to wreak havoc on the earth. So at what point in time, future time, does this take place that they are now in Hades? Now, okay, I got to try to figure all this out. So Saturn, I guess is their name. They They gave him a different name, was the one who led the rebellion in Genesis 6. But he wasn't. They're not judged. They're not destroyed. They're still free to roam the earth. Well, if they're still free to roam the earth, why wouldn't they just carry on the same strategy in corrupting the human line? Most everyone believes that whatever the angels, who, what, if the angels were involved in Genesis 6, that they're in chains. We read about angels being placed in chains waiting for judgment. Who are those angels? We know Satan is roaming about the earth like a roaming line, but those other angels seem to be locked up. So were they not locked up? And if they're not, well, then you could say, well, Satan is roaming around. So why doesn't he carry out that same strategy? That'd be a good question as well. So, so okay. I just don't know where, where does this other, like, how do you, where does this other entity just show up? Like, I don't know. I still don't know exactly like, okay, Lucifer shouldn't be translated Lucifer. It should be translated light bearer or whatever. And so therefore it's not Satan. It's this other individual. How did in the world did you just throw in the other individual? I don't know where, where the other individual, I'm not quite sure I even follow how we ended up there. That is some weird, like craziness that really needs further explanation. Let's see. They've only got six minutes. Clearly they're hurrying because they spent so much time in Isaiah 13. I've, I've, made those same kinds of mistakes. The difference between them and me is, well, um, I'm assuming this airs on radio and television. I'm assuming. And so this is why they're, they're limited by the time constraint where I can just go as long as I want. But uh, yeah, all right, let's, 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 let's see where they go here. Well, that's a good question. And I was reading a commentary by Dr. Michael Heiser on the book of Enoch, because in, in Enoch, several chapters in Enoch, First uh, Enoch chapters 18 and 21, we see descriptions of mountains, burning mountains in, in a place. And specifically, First Enoch 18, it's the angels who commingled with women. In fact, I managed to uh, remember to bring that up here. Uh, Enoch says, I, uh, writes, I came and saw a place that was burning night and day, where there were seven mountains of precious stones, three lying to the east and three to the south. Uh, and beyond these mountains is a place, the edge of the great earth. There the heavens come to an end. And I saw a great chasm among pillars of heavenly fire. And I saw in it pillars of fire descending, and they were immeasurable toward the depth and toward the height. This is a description according to Dr. Heiser, most likely of Tartarus, mm-hmm. of the, what in the Greek mind would be Tartarus. Mm-hmm. And Uriel, the archangel who had charge over Tartarus, right. said to me, there stand the angels who mingled with the women. And okay, now we're in the book of Enoch. What in the world is going on? Okay, now, I, I did find who they, I think they're referring to here. They're repro- this is a, the rebel watcher chief, and I'm going to spell it for you. S-H-E-M-I-H-A-Z-A-H. Shemaheza? S-H-E-M-I-H-A-Z-A-H. 
H, if I can spell Let me spell that one more time. S-H-E-M-I-H-A-Z-A-H. Shimai Haza. Shimai Haza, maybe. S-H-E-M-I-H-I-Z-A-H. And better known to us as Saturn. That is supposedly who is being referred to in Isaiah 14. They've not really given us any explanation to why this is who it is. I, I don't really understand it. And, and now they're in, we're in the book of Enoch. I, 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 I am completely baffled here. Let, let's continue. Their spirits, having assumed many forms, mm-hmm. bring destruction on men. Mm-hmm. And lead them astray to sacrifice to demons as to gods, demons being the spirits of the Rephaim, right. until the day of the great judgment in which they will be judged with finality. So the final day of the Lord is the day when all of this comes to an end. According to Enoch, the demons are allowed to wander the earth tormenting humanity until the judgment. That's what I assumed the answer would be, that this is after the day of the Lord when he's one of the last ones to be thrown back down there. Possibly, but it it could be that when he was thrown down originally in Tartarus and chained up, that Sheol, now, yes, to meet him when he comes sounds incongruous because it's not Sheol where these watchers were confined. It's Tartarus, which is a separate level of the Mm -hmm. underworld. But but if you're reading this as, as applying to two different situations, one being actual human going down there, the king, Mm hmm and the other one being an entity who okay. was behind the king, right. who later is released Again, for a already, short time. Again, already, but not yet. Yes. Okay. And then thrown back down. Right, yeah. The only time those demons would be imprisoned would be after the day of the Lord. Yes, that's I true. Think. Right. I, does that make sense to they, you? They would be destroyed, yeah, a- after the day of the Lord, because when they, they reach their final end, and we'll talk about this next week. They've um, reached their final destination. They've reached their final destination <laughs> in the Valley of the Travelers, and we'll talk about that uh, when we get to Ezekiel 39. But uh, there are other clues in Isaiah 14, and we've kind of discussed this. I mean, the, he's referred to as the king of Babylon, but king, it's the king of Babel, the king of the God Gate. Yes, the and, one who thinks he controls all of these portals. Right, and in Revelation 9, of course, he is described as... And this is the other tease for the forthcoming book. I'm arguing that this entity, Shemiyaza, is the one called Abaddon or Apollyon in Revelation 9. He is the king over those things that come out of the abyss. Mm-hmm. Now, if that. Okay, so Shemiyaza, I guess is how you say it. Shemiyaza. Um, I, I, am, I am so trying to follow their logic here. So, and again. To, to say that the king of Babylon in Isaiah 14 is somehow being referenced or that Shimeaza, I guess, is being referenced in Revelation and and they're drawing the correl- that that the Shimeaza is being is being referenced in Isaiah 14 and then he's referred to in Isaiah and, and the book or, or so. Uh, Shimeaza is being referenced in Isaiah 14 and then he's talked about in Isaiah or not, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Shemiyaza is being referred to in Isaiah 14 and also being referred to in the book of Revelation. That That's a big assumption because he's not even yet really proven here anything other than Isaiah 14 is clearly referring to the king of Babylon. And then we think possibly it goes beyond the king of Babylon to possibly referring to Satan. But they're like, no, it's not Satan. It's, it's Shemiyaza. And then uh, uh, Isaiah fourteen thirteen or Isaiah fourteen twelve says, "How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend in the heaven; I will exalt my throne above the stars of God; I will sit upon the mount of the congregation and the sides of the north; I will ascend above the heights of the clouds; I will be like the Most High." Now, clearly, there, there, there's a reference here to the king of Babylon who is arrogant and conceited and who will be brought down. If it goes beyond that, I don't know how it's Shimeazar or however he's saying the name, um, Saturn, and then somehow that that entity had something to do with the one leading 
the charge of corrupting the human line in Genesis 6. I mean, this is, and then he reads from Enoch. I mean, this is like, this is not even really hermeneutics. This is not even really Bible study. This is just one crazy throw out assumption after another with no, like, I don't even know what, what system of hermeneutics is even being utilized here. I don't even know what this is. And there's only two minutes left. I'm assuming in the next next episode. Now, Skywatch has already released a number of other episodes I just saw on my Edify Christian podcast app. Let's see here. Um, yeah, they, 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 they've got other episodes that have dropped in the last few minutes. But uh, we've got the Kingdom Ninja. I don't know what in the world that is. Uh, we've got other things being, so they're dropping other things. I don't see anything that would be the continuation of this. I'll have to see if there's a continuation of this because this is just, I don't know. I don't know what this is. I'm I'm sitting here looking at the Edify Christian podcast app of all the new things that have dropped over the last few minutes. All right. Let let me, let's finish what they have here. It's making your head explode. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Because it will make your head explode when you first hear that idea. But Derek's not the only one who thinks that. Um, He makes a really, really good case in the book. So uh, if you read the book, when it finally is uh, published this Mm -hmm. fall, fall. and your head still wants to explode at the end of it, great. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that happens. That's the beauty of all of this study Mm -hmm. is... As you're watching this and as you're studying with your friends and your family, you may or may not agree with the things that we say. Our joy is that you want to prove us wrong by digging into Scripture on your own. Yeah. Because you might prove us wrong. Absolutely. And many of these tools that we're using are available Online, we have links at uh, our website, gilberthouse.org. We'll put links also at uh, unravelingrevelation.tv, where all of our episodes are available, going back to the very first one. Um, The thing that just really blew my mind, and we've known this for a few years now, is uh, verse 21 here, where it reads, Prepare slaughter for his sons because of the guilt of their fathers, lest they rise and possess the earth and fill the face of the world with cities, and again, the clue there that this means more than you would think. Well, I mean, what's wrong with cities? Most of us live in cities anymore in the modern world. The Hebrew word for cities, irim, is identical to the Aramaic word for watchers. Fill the face of the world with watchers. That's a little more scary than right. cities. I right. don't like cities, big cities, but yeah, watchers. Yeah, that's pretty scary. So we, we've. Yeah, I just scratched the surface here. Isaiah 14 is a fascinating chapter that deals with not just what happened to, in the past to this entity where he was cast out and to, down to the netherworld, but also his future. May the offspring of evildoers nevermore be named, lest they rise and possess the earth. Well, God has already decreed that that ain't going to happen. Day of the Lord. That's when all of this comes to an end. God has given us humans and our elder brothers, the angelic realm, free will to choose to be obedient and serve him or to be disloyal and try to serve ourselves. And like us, many of the angels and watchers have chosen badly. But a day is coming when God will return and bring justice to the earth. Come quickly, Lord. Thank you for watching. This is Unraveling Revelation from Skywatch. Yeah, Lord, come quickly, because if you take any longer to come back, by the time you come back, nobody's going to understand your Bible because Christians are absolutely 100% ripping it into pieces and making it say whatever they want it to say. At this point, there's no hope of anyone understanding the Bible because every time Christians open it, who knows what's going to come? I don't even know what to say about all of that. That, that, like, that, like, it's easy to critique. Let me make, let me make it very clear. When I do, I do reviews a lot, obviously. When I review something, it's easy to critique when they're using a basic hermeneutical method of like, okay, here's this passage, here's this, here's what this words mean, here's that, I'm basing it off this, I'm basing it off that. But when they just kind of just do whatever they want, we did this and when we were reviewed the sermon on Micah, like it was, everything was going great, right? All right. Now we he we didn't explain why he didn't think it was the Babylonians. He thought it was the Assyrians. He didn't explain his time frame that he was placing things in. But at least we could understand. Well, wait a minute. 
Most everyone thinks that's the Babylonian. At least we could critique it, right? And then all of a sudden, you get down to the end of Micah and where it says, the Lord's going to do this, this, and this, and this. And all of a sudden, he's like, you do it. You better do it. And you're like, wait, what just happened, right? At that point, it's hard to critique because he's not even following the language of the actual Bible. He just changed the entire meaning on his own and didn't even bother try to handle it from a hermeneutical perspective. Well, at that point, you can't do review You can't do critique because it stopped being hermeneutics. Well, I don't know what that was. No, the word Lucifer there means this. And well, that means it's whatever name he gave Saturn. It's this, it's this individual. And like, who was that individual? Well, that individual was the one who led the charge for the, the, the angels sleeping with women and, and Genesis six. And he's also mentioned in revelation. You're like, wait, what is going on? How did you draw that conclusion? Is the person mentioned in Genesis six? Well, you have to go to the book of Enoch. So now you're saying book of Enoch, is our interpretive key a non-canonical book, a book not inspired? But it, they even go, it's close to being inspired. Who determines? Well, this gets back to the formation of the canon, which is very, <laughs> a very uncomfortable subject for anyone who's honest with themselves. Like, who, who decided which books are in the Bible, right? Well, this goes to the authority of the church versus what well, this just goes into craziness. But, and if you don't have the authority of the church, then it's the authority of the individual. So can we say, well, the book of Enoch should be inspired. I mean, by all practical purposes, if you're making it the hermeneutical key to your entire view, are you not treating the book of Enoch as inspired? Hey, go to the book of Enoch. That tells you how to interpret Isaiah. Wait, so a non-canonical book is my interpretive key? Well, it's close to being canonical. Well, it's close. How close? 50% close? 70% close? 80% close? 90% close? There is a lot of prophetic kind of ministries that are so big on the book of Enoch, book of Enoch, book of Enoch, book of Enoch, book of Enoch. In fact, I think they care more about the book of Enoch than they actually do the, the books in our Bible. And I, I just, that is some crazy stuff. That is some crazy stuff. I'm curious. All right, I'm curious. Um, Give me a second here. I, I gave the name of, oh, I got to go back and find it. Oh, wait, I got it right here. Do I have it right here? Yeah, here we go. Um, I'm going to look up this name, S-H-E-M. I'm going to look up and see what happens here. S-H-E-M. I got to keep going back and forth here. Uh, I-H. Give me a second. I know this is not, oh, I think here's right here. Is that him? Um, Make sure I spelled it right. H-A-Z-A-H. I think that's it. Um, Now, what is this? What? I don't know what that's... (laughs) Okay, I don't know what that is. This takes me to some bizarre website. Uh, It's it's a... They refer to this as a female demon. I don't know what in the world this is. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to get out of that website. That just looks like I just, you know, put 900 viruses on my on my uh iPad. Uh What in the world? Okay, all of these websites. Now, now this one refers to Shima Shima Haza or Shima Haza, however you say the name, uh, as a he. Another one refers to it as a she. Um, okay, so this this uh, it appears. Okay, here. Okay, Shimaaza, 
Shemaza, Shemahaza. I, I, I don't know exactly the correct way of saying it. Um, originally an angel featuring in Judaic lore, specifically in the book of Enoch. Uh, and his story, he, another site said she, uh, which I came upon last month has been lingering with me. Hopefully you will see why. Uh, once in an era not long before the great flood, God sent some 200 angels down to earth to be humanity's keepers. They were tasked with guarding and guiding the lost and hopeless men. For he, uh, for he was prone to all kinds of wickedness and was preyed on by it thusly. These 200 angels became the Gregori, the guardians of mankind. But the Gregori were not happy with their position, for though they were tasked with guarding and guiding mankind, they could not do so directly and no direct contact between the beautiful Gregori, angels, and the equally beautiful creatures of earth were permitted. The angels were there in the case of calamity. They were not to interfere with man's wickedness directly, as it were. Rather, through their presence, encourage man to know what was right. Uh, same principle as a child behaving when parents are watching as opposed to being left to their own devices. However, they were not allowed to relate to mankind, meaning they could not necessarily touch them nor speak to them through their angelic forms, instead sending signs in such of their holy presence. But the Gregori were not satisfied with this. They wanted to touch men and women alike. They wanted to relate to them, speak with them. They were for who they were, not for why they were sent. And so enchanted by the beauty of the human realm and of mankind themselves, the Gregori slowly began to forget and abandon their mission. They were tempted most by human women specifically and none more so than Shemaheza or Shemahaza or Shemahaza depending on how you would want to break this down. I could probably look up a, how to pronounce it, but that's okay. Shemaza, one of the leading angels, met and befriended a human woman when he, when he met while she was bathing in a river, uh, ultimately falling in love with her. He wanted desperately to be with her, but he could not, for their union was strictly forbid, forbidden by the nature of heaven itself and ultimately by God. Fearful that he would be denounced, cast down as Lucifer was, Shema'aza convinced the other angels of the Gregori to take up human wives, summing them to a mountain, Mount Hermon, specifically to issue the testament as well to get them all to vow to their human wives. Shema'aza also vowed himself to take the blame and shoulder the weight of any punishment should their heresy be discovered. Because of their enamorous love that the Gregori felt for their wives and spouses, they began to spill unto them and to men too. Celestial secrets, things such as medicine, astronomy, magic, and witchcraft, weaponry, armory, uh, armor making, and the art of mining for precious metals and all manner of other knowledge forbidden to man at the time. In time, the women that Gregory abetted gave birth to a generation known as Nephilim, who were several times larger or stronger than their fellow men and were known for their exceptional intelligence. Nephilim for a time lived in peace with their human parents and peers, for they lived by the same means as man, working and eating their food. However, they ate more food and crops uh, at the time at, at the time could produce, and as a consequence, there was a famine. When there was no more food to sustain their rapid growth and ravenous appetites, the Nephilim turned upon the humans and their villages and ate them instead. Hum humanity tried desperately to defend themselves from their creation, but failed. They pleaded with God for help for some end to their suffering of their kind. The archangels, seraphim, cherubim, and thrones, who were watching from the sanctity of heaven, heard their pleas and consorted with God to resolve the matter. Michael and Gabriel, the warrior angels, came down from on high to meet the war head on and to smite the Nephilim plague. Other angels came down too, with Raphael being the angel to seal away Asiel, who would become the, in Christianity, Azel, underneath the desert. And then it goes on and on. Enoch, the closest thing to Ju Ju Judaism, gets to Jesus, felt bad for the Gregory. And then it talks about Enoch and then... Wow. 
Okay. I mean, the whole story just goes, what in the world is all of that? I, I don't know what even to say with all of this. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to post this, uh, and the uh, Discord channel, I'll post this. This is just, I mean, this is where they're getting their information. This is where they're basing their their understanding from. I mean, like, what this demonstrates, and, and I've said this so many times, it's almost as if Christians get bored with their Bibles. They're like, you know what? I'm kind of bored. I, I, I need something else. I need something more than just Isaiah 14 and 13 being about the Babylonians or the Assyrians. I need it to be about portals and angelic beings who, who doing this and, and gates. And, and, and I need it. It's like they can't just be content with what is in the Bible. We got to keep adding more and more and more to make it interesting, to make it, let me dare say, the source of being able to write some more books so that we can make some more money. Because we, because I, I mean, it, it just seems like it's crazy. I mean, just listen to all of that. It's it's absolutely nuts. None of that is in the Bible. None of that is anywhere close. But it's everything Enoch, 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 Enoch. And, and even that article is going to go to Enoch, Enoch. Everything has to go back to the book of Enoch. Maybe the, the church was like, uh, this book of Enoch, I, I don't think this is, uh, I don't think this is inspired scripture. Maybe there was a reason for it. I, that is just crazy stuff. And again, my thing, even if you take into account all of this stuff, right? All right, let's say all of this somehow takes place between, before Genesis, leading up to Genesis 6 or right at the beginning of Genesis 6. Still, the flood would wipe out, obviously, all the human descendants, wipe out the Nephilim and all of that, would wipe all of that out. That would be the purpose of it. And then, then those angels who are involved, those those angels that were there, would would they were they not punished? Now the the, the program we heard makes it sound like no, they they're still roaming around. I would argue, what about the passages of scripture where it speaks of angels in chains? Not just not before Revelation, before Revelation, those spirits who are in prison. There seems to be a spirits in prison, angels in chains. Well, who are they? Well, that, that would make sense that if they were involved in Genesis 6, then they were locked up. And then God obviously has not allowed anything like that to ever happen again. Now, why How? Why did he allow it to happen in the first place? I mean, this gets all back to God's sovereignty and how he uses Satan and what he does. With, I mean, we could go all day into all of that. Just there's so many questions there that are philosophically unsatisfying. But I, Christians, you've caught, you can't, fall for this kind of thing. You, you've got to stop this. The, look, this, this, this ministry, Skywatch TV, exists because Christians support it with their hard-earned money. They have enough to build TV studios, and they have TV, they have they, all these programs air on telev- Christian television and, and, and Christian radio because they're being supported. And this is just the absolute crazy stuff that you can find within the Christian world. And it's just, it goes against any meaningful hermeneutic in any way, shape, or form. All right. So I'm going to post this in the discord channel. I'm just going to do this right now while we're live on the air. I'm just going to grab it really quick. I, and I don't even know where this person gets all of his, his information. There's no footnotes here. So even this is probably called into question. Um, there's, there's more underneath it. Okay. Uh, and then there's comments here. Yeah. And I mean, there's just, this is just some crazy stuff. But see, the thing is, when you look at this stuff, you're like, well, this is all crazy. Yeah, it's all crazy, but this is where people go to find information about God, the Bible, angels. They, they go on the internet. They, they, they're not calling. Look, I don't get phone calls from people going, hey, I got some questions about the Bible. No, 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 no. People don't call me. They're on Pandora. They're on a podcast apps looking for things. And that's how they find information. It's just the new world in which we live here. Some of the comments may have some uh, some strong language, so I'm letting everyone in the Discord channel know in advance. So here we go. I just posted it in the Discord channel. There we go. Uh, 
Okay. Uh, but just make sure you, you know that uh, that Shimaaza uh, is not always referred to as, as and masculine. I've found at least one source that was referred to as female. So I mean, like you're 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 getting into pure speculation. You're getting into legends and myths, and it's basically like Greek mythology. We can't bring that kind of thing into the Bible, or we really it just undermines the authority of Scripture. It really does. And it just, man, the, the book of Enoch, constant, ah, oh, so many, I've, I hear that so frequently. All right, I'm going to have to stop there. This is not what I plan to do today, but that's what happens. I, one of the things I love about doing a podcast and being able to, that I'm not restricted by how many episodes I do, is I do love the fact that whenever I hear something, I see something that I can turn it on and share it with all of you, and then we can talk about it and struggle with it. And I can warn you about what's out there right? and and so that you know what's going on because you'll run into people thinking these things, struggling with these things. And it's not something that we don't want to mock the people who stumble upon this. I may mock the some of the craziness that we just heard, but I don't want to mock anyone who stumbles upon it and they're out there struggling trying to figure out because in their mind, they're like, hey, this this is cool. This Is this part of the Bible? And you're like, well, no, not exactly. Okay, maybe we need to stop and take a couple of steps back and Okay, so if you really want to learn the Bible, let's learn some 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 skills and how to study the Bible, and and maybe take a step away from some of this crazy stuff. But uh, yeah, there you have it. All right, I'm gonna. I think I'll stop right there. I will definitely be here a long time tomorrow. I apologize for not getting to everything we needed to today, but there you go. And uh, wow, what a what a crazy afternoon. There you have it. I can't really address their claims about Lucifer because they didn't really do anything to justify their claim, prove their claim. They just assigned that Lucifer is referencing this person. I guess I would have to look in the book of Enoch, maybe mentioned specifically in the book of Enoch and saying that that's who is being referred to here and just arbitrarily just assigning it. That's not how, look, if you don't believe it, Satan and Isaiah 14, it's the king of Babylon. I don't, that those to me, your only choices, <laughs> those are your choices. I don't know how you get around that, but okay. I, I understand the constant debate of, well, that's not Satan. So we shouldn't tell the story that Satan was in heaven and then fell uh, because that's actually a, a reference to the king of Babylon saying he would ascend to heaven. But then you got the passage in Ezekiel. I understand all of those debates. That's what I thought we were going to get into, but it went straight craziness. And uh, well, hopefully now, you're aware of the craziness and you're a little bit, I can't say you're better prepared to deal with it, but at least we, because there, you don't really need to be prepared with that other than they gave you no textual, hermeneutical, Bible explanation to why you should change your view about Isaiah 14. They just threw out wild speculation and sounded really smart in doing so. That That is what you have to learn not to be manipulated by. All right, I'm going to stop right there. I wanted to do more, but I'm going to stop. All right, everyone have a good evening. Um, Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.